San Diego's talk radio leader, 760 KFMB presents It's Your Money and Your Life. For the next hour, Richard Musio and Joe Vecchio will educate and inform you on matters related to your financial future, your life, and your leisure. Now, with It's Your Money and Your Life, here are Richard and Joe. All right, good buddy. My name is Joe Vecchio, your co-host, announcer, and producer, coming to you from KFMB Studios with 50,000 watts of power, not just in San Diego County, but Orange County, LA County, up the coast of Seattle on a good night, down to Cabo, out to the desert. If you download the app for 760KFMB, you can hear this on any device as the show airs, and all these podcasts are commercial-free on iowamoney.com and on iTunes. And on time to introduce the main man of the hour, he's a CPA extraordinaire, he's an accomplished marathon runner, he's a best-selling author, a philanthropist, and a family office expert, advising several high-net-worth families, Good evening, Richard. How are you tonight? I'm great, Joe. I have survived the San Diego, formerly known as Del Mar Fair traffic. It's well, over. I want to tell you. It you is mean, over. <laughs> the, I went on Google Maps last night at 11 o'clock and looked at all the beach traffic, and it is a sea of red. I think it's the only night of the year where you'll see all those arteries clogged at yep. 11 o'clock at night. Fireworks. Uh, escaping from the uh, the yeah. Big Bay boom and all that. Yep. Um so I, I don't get it, but uh, especially but, but the fair is over and I'm still alive. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I, I guess. You know, if you got kids, I, I don't know. You've seen a, one fireworks show. You've seen them all, I suppose. But um, anyway, or if you like cinnamon buns. I, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, congratulations, USA, 240 years old. And uh, the clock is still ticking on us. So that's good. Um, also, Richard, I don't know if you've been following the San Diego Symphony at all, but they, no, I haven't. They have improved their summer series immensely, and um, I had a little email exchange with Dr. Jacobs, who is a big enthusiast, mm-hmm. as you know, and a former guest of the yes. show. And I suggested we do a show on the symphony per se and all the growth and the progress it's made. Because as you know, many years ago, it was going bankrupt every other year Yep. Uh, until Dr. Jacobs stepped in. And, um, of course, it's, it's thriving and surviving. Well, let's do that. Doing well. So September-ish, we'll have uh, okay. the CEO, uh, Martha, on. Uh, in any case, let's not delay. We know uh, what's coming. Oh, by the way, I did happen to see that great uh, walk-off home run Last Saturday night. Against the Yankees. Against the Yankees. Melvin yes. Upton, he crushed that first pitch. I, about as far as you'll see it hit in left field. Uh, yep. There have been a f- couple of upper deckers, but he hit it right into that corner of the Western Metal Building where it meets the uh, the other structure. And boy, oh boy, what a thrill to uh, end a game, uh, a, a one-to-one. It was really weird. The, the line score for both teams was like 1-5-0. One, oh. one hit, five, uh, one run, five hits, all the way to that ninth inning. It was uh, bizarre. But anyway, what a great, and a, la- a great laser show to boot. So thank you, Gina Champion Kane, again for that. And... Um, and now without speaking about baseball. Yeah, and the All-Star game. We've which got an All-Star game coming up in San Diego. We certainly do. And we have a former guest with us who is a veteran major leaguer and also an accomplished artist and a Native American and a great American. And his name is Gene Lockler. Gene, welcome back to our show. Thank you. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. <laughs> you know, just for the benefit of our listeners, um, you know, we should find out where you were born and raised, how you even got into baseball as a Native American, and uh, maybe a little thumbnail sketch of your career, the teams you played with, and some of your uh, your your uh, statistics. So what do you think? Okay, born in Pembroke, North Carolina. All right. 7 He's <laughs> <laughs> got a birthday coming up. That's why you mentioned that. Yeah, so anyone out there ought to say me, whatever you want to say me. Uh-huh. So, uh, farmer, my dad was a farmer, small farmer, Native American uh-huh. neighborhood, 
everyone I knew until I was 16 was Native American. Huh. Churches, schools, everything. In North Carolina? Yeah. What tribe was this? Lumbee, L-U-M-B-E-E, biggest tribe east of the Mississippi. How about that? But your tribe is interesting because you guys don't own any casinos, right? No, we don't want to be rich. We want to be Indian. (laughs) But you you own something else. You guys own a lot of something else. Oh, yeah, we're very educated. We understand that those casinos can turn you into bad people. Well, you know. So you own the place where the casino owners put their money, right? Yeah, well. How many banks does your tribe own? Well, we have 16 banks. 16 banks. We have our own university named after a Lumbee Indian in North Carolina called Pembroke. University of Pembroke of North Carolina. Now, who knew that? So, are you the only tribe that's uh, that's into banking like that? I think so. As far as uh, being that successful, we have a lot of very educated. We get, we went into the education part of society. Uh, our elders in the early twenties and thirties was intelligent enough to understand that uh, if you wanted to make a change and a change in the right way, you had to go education. Wow. How about that? So, um, and then when did you get into baseball as a as a little leaguer youngster, or when did you? No, we didn't have a little league, Babe Ruth, and all that. I started playing with the adults when I was about twelve, thirteen years old, and mm-hmm. and from there, high school and out of high school, I finally signed pro contract. Right out of high school? Not right out of high school. Actually, a year after high school, I went to a tryout camp with the Cincinnati Reds a and year they, after high and school. And they signed you right then, huh? Yeah. Well, uh, and, no and one scouted uh, Indians in the area at that time. <laughs> 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 I mean, uh, I hit 500, three perfect games and all that. But, uh, you know, Indian, uh, Jim, Thorpe, D- Jim Thorpe died, you know, a few years ago. So no one really came around our so, area. So the Reds draft you at age 19-ish? Or, yeah. And yeah. and what year was that now? Uh, I signed in 60, uh, let's see now, let me get this 69? right. 69? 69, yeah. Really? Something like that. You're the Miracle Mets. Yeah. Who yeah. I just found out, Richard, you know, they were the worst expansion team in almost any sport in 1962. How many games did they win? They won 40, lost 120. You're absolutely right. That's right, Boy, this right. guy, don't fool with this <laughs> guy. Don't, don't ask me too many pursuit questions. <laughs> <laughs> That was Casey Stengel. Now, was he still the manager when they won it in 69? Gil Hodges. Gil Hodges. Okay, they got rid of good old Casey Stengel. We should do a show about him sometime because that guy had about a bunch of uh, gems, didn't he? Oh, yeah. But anyway, so you signed with the Reds, and and, and, uh, give us a little thumbnail of your career. How many years did you play with the Reds? Minor leagues. I was in the minor league system for four years. Mm -hmm. One year I was in the Army, but to minor league system, four years. Two batting titles, MVP three times in the leagues that I played in. And then – Seventy-three. I uh, came up to the big leads with a big red machine. Seventy-three. Wow. So, what position? What was your uh, position? Did you play right with? field, really? And then, uh, you know, they move you around a little bit. Uh, right field, left field, but basically right field. And really, there is a difference in playing right field oh, yeah. and left field. And then when I get to San Diego, I played left field, and there was a difference. I didn't really yeah. feel comfortable, and that became my. The sun is uh, a problem in right field, isn't it? Uh, it can be. Well, sun. some people say at night the sun can get in your eyes uh-huh. and hit, have bad hops in the air and all that stuff at uh-huh. night, you know, in bad left hops field. In the air. <laughs> You know, hit gopher holes and all that stuff. <laughs> and I, it was all that was known to happen to me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you, 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 hit, uh, you hit well over 300 when you were at the Padre. Yeah, 321, 1975, 350, 350 at bats. Yeah. But, but Big Red Machine, let's start there, 73. And how many years were you with the Reds? 
Uh, four years in the minors and then uh, half a year in the big okay. machine and was traded over here for Freddie Norman. Remember Freddie Norman, the left-hand pitcher? pitcher. Yeah, yeah, Freddie was a great pitcher. And then how many years with the Padres? Uh, four years. 73, 74 to 76. 76. 76 to 79-ish, something like that? No, 73 to 76. Oh, 73. And then where did you get that World Series ring on your finger? Uh, that was with the 76 Yankees when I went there in June and then uh, the last half of the year I was there and uh, end up World Series. Is that right? Cincinnati okay. Reds beat us four games straight. But we won the next year, if you remember, against the Dodgers. We beat the Dodgers next right. year, 76. So then you went to Yankees for a year, and then where after that? Went to Japan for a year. Uh-huh. I had a three-year contract, only stayed one year. And, mm-hmm. and after the one year, came back. I went and tryout camp. Not tryout, but I went to spring training with Cincinnati Reds. Okay. Uh, and then uh, I didn't make the uh, – Team North, so they wanted me to stay on. And actually, they offered me a lot of money to stay on because mm-hmm. in case something happened, all that. But I had decided it was time to move on Yeah, start a new career. And, of course, you had some fun with Buzzy Bavese when you were here, too, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I sure did. But uh, I, we, I don't know if we have time to get in. We're going to come up on our break in a, in a few <laughs> seconds here. Maybe, why don't we take our break now, then, Justin? How about fire up some music? We'll be back with veteran Major League Baseball player Gene Lockler and great artist right after this. Hang on. We are back with Major League Baseball veteran Gene Lockler. That's a real chorus there. It's not just a band, for God's sake. Where'd you get that, Justin? Who is that? Is that the Boston Pops Orchestra? Kansas, Kansas City, City Symphony. Symphony. All right. Okay. Well, in, in honor of them winning the uh, World Series last year, right? A lot of people. F- yeah. you know, a lot of people forget who even won it last year. It was it's I, the Royals. You have to look it up. But yeah, it, using a bunch of starting pitchers <laughs> who used to pitch for the Padres. <laughs> anyway, we've got the All Star Game, the uh, the Summer Classic uh, uh, coming upon us. First time in 25 years. It's been in San Diego. But right? Gene, by the way, is the official artist of the 2016 Major and League All Star Game. What does All-Star that mean? Game. What are your duties and responsibilities, Gene? What does that mean, official artist? Okay, what I'm going to do with the help of the San Diego Padres is create a uh, painting uh, with 22 all-star players in it that played for the Padres, including Ted Williams and Ted Williams and Tony Grant as the centerpiece and also the four stadiums that is known as Padres Stadiums wow. from the beginning when they had the AAA team here. Let's name them all. Lane Field. And of course, and then uh, Westgate Park. When I Westgate Park, and then of course San Diego Jack Murphy mm-hmm. Stadium, mm-hmm. and which, now Petco, and, and now Petco. Petco. Okay, yeah. all right. Lane and then Field. what they're going to, what's going to happen is, is uh, they're going to auction this off. The Padres will choose a charity and auction this off for a charity. Nice. It's something that Major League Baseball has been doing for a while. They pick an artist in each city and mm-hmm. they create a painting and then they use it as a charity offering to, uh, you know, to yeah. go back in like oh, a way of uh, doing back. something back to the uh, back. Sure. community. So, well, so, Gene, when are you going to be down at FanFest? What days are you going to be down there? When can people find I'll you? I'll be there from Thursday until Tuesday. All okay. right. Now, give us about your, your artist background. When did you pick up that skill and talent? Well, the funny thing is, is when I was seven years old, uh, and I can tell you the minute, not the minute, but I can tell you, and I remember the exact time when I said I want to be an artist, and I also said that I want to be a baseball player. 
Mm-hmm. And so, uh, of course, from then when I sort of made that statement to myself, then I started working on both of those uh, mm-hmm. talents. And it is, I mean, of course, you have to have a talent to, to become what you want in life first. It doesn't matter what that may be. You still have to have talent. And so from then on, my, my mom and dad uh, was well enough to financially, when I was in high school, I took correspondence courses because there wasn't any way no to receive any kind of formal training in the area from school or anything else. So mm-hmm. that's what really got me started on a professional level. So you really have been painting almost more than longer than you've been playing baseball, really? Yes, yes. Uh-huh. And, and did you paint on the side, like in the off season, when you were a major league or minor league player? Oh, yeah. What I would do is a lot of times during the daytime uh, I would paint, and it was really, I found it to be very helpful as far as concentration. Mm. Uh, You know, it was like a relaxing thing for me and also get your concentration going so when you got to the ballpark, boom, you were ready to go. It's therapy. Very good. Yeah, good therapy. I've got a number of pieces in my house painted by Gene Locklear, I'm proud to say. Well, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, Frank Sinatra, Tony Bennett, even former President Bush, they've all gotten into painting. Yeah. Uh, you know, is a, I guess it is a form of therapy for, yeah. for them. So, so it's, so a great, you, it's a great way of learning the inner part of yourself and expressing yourself. It really is. So, so when you made a decision to retire, you said, well, therefore, I'm now going to make a living as a painter? And that's what I've done, guys, ever mm-hmm. since uh, I finished playing. Mm-hmm. Okay. How about schools? Do you do any re- uh, outreach to schools and help kids getting in, get involved with painting? Maybe that's something we could think about or help with. Well, uh, that's something I've tried to do, but uh, haven't been too successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I do a lot of speaking engagements to a lot of the Native American tribes in California, actually all over California, with the kids, you know, as far as art and baseball, but as far as teaching it any particular location or anything, no, I haven't been. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, do you do any baseball clinics on... Um any of these, these soldiers? I have, yes, I have. Uh huh. But not not that many, but I have, yeah. Well, all I, the way up from to Washington D.C. to all the way out to Milwaukee, mm. some of the different tribes. Well, how about we help set up? Yeah, I'm sure you've done some ex- exhibits uh, or exhibitions uh, somewhere, right? With uh, Richard, maybe we can help with that. Well, I mean, Gene was featured down at uh, Deborah Zakay's museum. Okay, the, new, the, the new, new Americans, new, American, uh, new Americans, new, plural, New Americans Museum down at Liberty Station. Mm-hmm. That was, I think, last year, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh huh. And then I know if you spend the night at the U.S. Grant Hotel in downtown San Diego in the lovely gas lamp, what do you see on the walls there? Yep, they have Jeans approximately thirty uh, some pieces of mine. Nice. Yeah. You know what? We should uh, we should prevail upon La Valencia also because they're they're doing some photo exhibits there from time to time mm-hmm. up in their gallery. So mm-hmm. we'll talk about that. That's that might be uh, well worth pursuing. So. Mm-hmm. So you'll be down at, um, where is the Fan Fest this year? Where are they holding this? This is in the convention center? or Yes. Right okay. Mm-hmm. Right across from Petco at the Out- convention center. Outstanding. Now, Native Americans in baseball, there's Jim Thorpe, there's you. The, are there any other active or past players that uh, that we know of? Uh, Javalt, uh, what's his name, the center fielder for the Yankees, oh, Navajo? Uh, Jacoby Ellsbury. Yeah, he's the most uh, yeah. well-known and probably the most well-respected Besides Jim Thorpe, I would think uh, that ever played in the major leagues as mm-hmm. far as Native Americans, very, very good baseball player. And of course, there's some might have uh, you know a mix, you know, an ethnic mix in there. It mm-hmm. could be multiracial, right, or multi-ethnic mm-hmm. as well. So the, there's only one Native American in the Hall of Fame, left-hand pitcher that uh, used to pitch for the New York Yankees. Mm-hmm. I found this out the other day. We have got a native-born German 
uh, player right now in the Major League Baseball. Can you name him? And he's this guy's got the carbon copy of Chris Bryant. I think he's going to be a big major star. No, who is that? Max Kepler, Minnesota Twins. Oh, that's right, the guy with the Twins. He, he had like had, seven RBIs. One oh my game. God! The other day yeah. he just he went off. I think he hit like three. But he's going to be a great player. But born in Berlin, born in Germany, for gosh mm, sake. Really? So, so baseball. Of course, we've had you know Asian players. Uh, I mean, it really is. I don't think there's any other pro sport that has a, a multi ethnic mix like baseball, right? I mean, uh, basketball might be a close second, but. Uh, soccer, maybe? Yeah, maybe soccer. But I'm just saying, well, soccer's coming on. I but, noticed where yeah. Padres are signing a bunch of international players. They're all 19 years old, so. But, I mean, think about it. We've got African-Americans. We've got, you know, you know, Latin Americans. We've got Asians, and we've got Europeans. I mean, uh, that pretty much covers it. <laughs> what's left? I don't know. So, Gene, uh, what, what, what's, the most, what's your most favorite painting or portrait you've ever done? Who is it of, if you have one? I do not have one. Okay. Uh, some of my most favorite paintings, I was the uh, Super Bowl artist, and we did a set of limited edition prints, and this was in, I think, uh, six, uh, 86, and Dallas Cowboys won. They, in one of those games, they beat Buffalo, you know, mm-hmm. or one of those uh, Super Bowls, they beat Buffalo. And so what they did is is uh, when they went to the White House, every player and every coach and everything signed one of the limited edition prints, and that was one of the three gifts that they gave the president. And that particular piece hung in the bowling alley. I don't know if you knew that uh, yeah, there's the a bowling White alley House has a yeah. bowling alley. Yeah. And one day I was sitting in my ESO, and this lady comes on the phone, and she goes, Mr. Lockler, yes, this is the White House calling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I go, yes, where are you from, North Carolina? And because I figured it was one of my friends yeah. in North uh-huh. Carolina. She said, no, 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 I'm serious. And so she wanted to know the real value of the piece and all that, and she wanted the history of it because she was in charge of the archives there. Hmm. Man, fantastic. But you do, you do um, Western art, right? Yes, yes. Uh-huh. And now I've noticed at your studio you're doing some abstract. Well, it's semi-abstract Native American. In other words, uh, what I'm doing is the abstract with the colors and all that, and then I, may, I throw in a, a subject matter that uh, is definitely Native American, and if you look real close and do a study of the piece, you can recognize it as being uh, definitely a Native American theme. Mm-hmm. And we got about uh, less than a minute. Can you tell so, us? Less than a minute. A funny a bu- Buzzy Babesi story. I was going to say. Yeah, please. Real quick. The, the last time you saw Buzzy, tell us. Buzzy, I saw Buzzy in a restaurant, and I, I sit down, and I look, and there's Buzzy, his wife, and his uh, uh, Peter's wife, mm-hmm. and uh, so I go, I got to I just gotta. So I get, <laughs> so I get up, and I go over, and I shake his hand, and I shake Buzzy's wife, and and, uh, and all that, and then right up, uh, Peter's wife go, you know, you're still my son's favorite player, and I go. What happened? Why doesn't he buy a team so I can play? Yeah. And then I, I looked over at Buzzy, and he's like, he still hasn't said anything. I said, Buzzy, Buzzy, you look real good, real good. So anyway, I talked a little bit, and we get in that, and I leave and sit down. So before he leaves, he comes by the table, and he goes, too bad you're not playing today, kid. You'd be making a lot of money. And I said, yeah, I could have made a lot of money in the older days, too. (laughs) What a a schmuck. Anyway, we'll leave it with that. Gene Lockler, thanks so much for being our guest. We'll come right back with David Meltzer, Sports Marketing. More about the All-Star Game. Hang on.
we're back with the award-winning It's Your Money, Andrew Life, and this is the time where Richard likes to thank our sponsors. Big thank you to our sponsors, but before that, we forgot to mention Gene Locklear's website. It's genelocklear.com. That's G-E-N-E-L-O-C-K-L-E-A-R.com. Some really pretty pictures up there. Hey, big thank you to our sponsors, UBS with Michael Carancha and Drew Friedis. Also, a big thank you to Michael again for arranging our speakers on the Brexit show. I thought that was a great show, Joe. Absolutely. And so big thank you to Mike for... I actually listened to it. <laughs> we did it, and then we listened to it. Incredible show. So thank you, UBS, for um, getting David Lefkowitz up on, on the Air Force on very short notice. Also, our favorite CPAs on the planet, Jason Kruger with Signature Analytics, a great CFO company. Also, more traditional CPAs, Polito Epic CPAs with Don Epic and Paul Polito. Joel Grushkin, Cost Segregation Initiatives, helping real estate owners improve their cash flow. Also, Geiger Law Office, Brenda Geiger, specializing in asset protection and estate planning. Now, all this money that these sponsors make for you, how about you stash it at California Republic Bank, a great niche market bank specializing in working with wealthy families and family offices, Sean Puckett and Lane Elliott. Neil Staley with Hub International, formerly known as Mars Maddox Insurance, great employee benefits firm. Also, the LG Experience and the Lombardi Group, helping wealth, wealth advisors make heroes out of CPAs to the CPA's very best clients. Also, a big thank you to Paul Hines, CEO of Hearthstone Private Wealth Management. Paul, of course, heads up the SeniorSafeAndSound.org initiative here in San Diego, helping to prevent financial elder abuse and interest rates are staying low and probably will for some time. So if you're buying or refinancing your home, Worldwide Credit, highly recommend Nathan Watkins, great mortgage broker with Worldwide Credit. And Joe, if all of this is making you hungry, we've got some great sponsors in that area too, right? Hungry or thirsty? Well, of course, Lestat's Coffee Houses, uh, the original in uh, Normal Heights, in, um, and then the second one on in University Heights. They're about to open their third one on University Avenue. Um, in Hillcrest over there, they're open 24-7, 365. Great coffee, great food, all made on the site, and uh, just a great crowded place all the time. And, of course, uh, Michelle Lyric and the Berry Good Food Foundation for all their great service and support and, uh, and the content that she provides. And, of course, we've been broadcasting from their annual dinner at their estate uh, for, I think, four years in a row now. Yes, that's correct. Four out of the, I think this was the seventh this year. So, but uh, anyway, and if you want to learn more about these sponsors, just get over to iymoney.com. There's a sponsor tab on the top of the page in a drop down menu, and you can get click on any one or all of them to get their background information, contact information. I know they've been working with Richard for many, many years with uh, great success. In right? some cases, almost 30 years. <laughs> Long time. Too, too many to too mention. Too many years. And by the way, all of our archives of all of our, all these shows, you want to hear Gene Locklear's first appearance on this show, just go, uh, we've got a search menu there and uh, pass guests. Yes, and you can find uh, anybody from Erwin Jacobs, G uh, Dick Enberg, uh, Jim Lampley, Billie Jean King, all kinds of uh, great people uh, and more awards probably on the way this year. Richard, we're about to submit for... Uh, I'm guessing. <laughs> anyway, on the line, another past guest, but since it's All-Star Week, we want to get people who are adept and expert in the field of uh, sports, marketing, baseball, and All-Stars, and you've got an All-Star marketer right here, David Meltzer. Welcome to the phone, and uh, welcome to the show from via phone. Welcome Welcome back to the show. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> anyway, uh, you sent a lot of good information down. I know you've got some new platforms you're developing and, and whatnot, but just about the economic impact of the All-Star Game, is, I guess it hasn't been in San Diego in 25 years. Last one, of course, was in Mission Valley, not in Petco Park. But um, some of the numbers you, you sent, you said the, uh, the San Diego Tourism Authority, they estimate that uh, it could impact the city $80 million. Do, do you think that's really going to happen, Dave? Is it really that much? 
You know, it depends on the time frame. These are all arbitrary and capricious numbers. The mm -hmm. interesting thing is when you're in a city like San Diego that is tourist-based, mm -hmm. you know, it's hard to determine the long-term effect. You know, in the short term, it'll be lower than that. As you always know, in, you know, in previous years and previous cities, like in Minnesota, their range of actual revenue was $21 million to $55 million. So you can see, depending on the independent and dependent variables of where you draw the lines of what the economic impact are, because it goes far beyond just hotel rooms and food and beer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. I had too much beer there. Uh, <laughs> I thought, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, w what I know from all of the big games, you know, over the, literally the past 25 years is that it is a huge positive impact on mm -hmm. a city uh, that shows off itself like San Francisco did in the Super Bowl, Arizona in their Super Bowl. I always see that the government officials either take two different perspectives. One, let's under-exaggerate so that we can continue to get and, and dissuade other cities from, from uh, bidding on these games, mm -hmm. or two, let's over-exaggerate so we can get elected again for what a tremendous job we do. Um, the the yeah. interesting thing is it has a very positive economic impact. Now, there's a lot of costs involved, too. I mean, they're estimating what a million and a half dollars spent for police and fire, fi firefighters, etc. Uh, so we never, we always hear about the, the, the gross, you know, Revenue figure. We never hear about the costs, and and um, although I am I, I am seeing a lot of streets getting paved, so that's a good thing. <laughs> nice, yeah, and you know th that brings up another issue is this appearance side of things. So yeah. you know a lot of structural uh, improvements are made, and you know obviously there's some con controversial things that happen when we clean up a city because we don't want the reality uh, to truly show itself. Mm -hmm. So one of the biggest areas is, is the homeless, right? Um, and uh, not quite as bad as San Francisco or New York. Uh, you know, here they are denying the fact that they're doing a street cleanup of the homeless before the All-Star Game that has anything to do with the All-Star Game. Uh, but, you know, it, it is sad that we, instead of just brushing things under the rug, we don't take, at these times, a serious look at why do we have a homeless issue and what can we do to improve or eradicate that problem. So, so you're arguing that putting sharp rocks underneath um, overpasses mm -hmm. where homeless people sleep is a very inhumane thing to do, because I would agree if that's what you're saying. I am, and I'm also saying that destroying their property when they have nowhere else to store it or put it is also inhumane, and that we have to challenge ourselves to be more interested than interesting. You know, I just launched a book called Compassionate Capitalism mm. uh, that takes an abundant approach to providing value to everyone, and that sometimes you know we take a short-term scarce view of even these great events like an all-star game and we have a huge opportunity to create significant change and mm -hmm. you know sometimes i think we cheat ourselves that we don't challenge ourselves like the athletes that we see on the field these great you know future stars mm -hmm. current stars and home run hitters that we celebrate during the all-star game we could really get creative and try to eradicate the problem that exists for many cities when they have big events. Now, you say San Francisco spent more than $4 million to try to relocate. Was that a uh, compassionate way to do it, or are they more of a heartless way to do it? I thought it was heartless, you know, and I think it's a short-term approach of all those people are right back. You know, I was up there on, on a, a show the other week and, and went up for the championship game uh, between the Cavs and, and uh, Golden State, that mm -hmm. final seven, mm -hmm. the, the seventh game. 
but you know everybody was back so all the millions of dollars was just to clean up a perception an image and branding of a city instead of you know especially up there where they they really pride themselves on being ahead of the curve when it comes to humanitarian efforts and yeah. enlightenment with Berkeley and Stanford etc and you know it's it's a shame that not only don't the cities take a different perspective but the league itself these different leagues not just baseball or football but all the different leagues and events you know and you see where the challenges exist with the with the uh, Olympics right now mm-hmm. right we we're using all these dollars to supposedly solve problems and all we've done is create worse of a, pro- a worse problem and a brand and, and image issue for Brazil. Are there any cities that are doing something right about this? Could be uh, U.S. or even other countries. Or who's doing the best job at helping with the homeless situation? You know, I, I think the, the best that I've seen was the Indianapolis uh, Super Bowl years back, uh, where they did take a community effort uh, to utilize funds to build programs uh, you know, to empower women, for example, uh, you know, there's a huge issue with single moms not being able to afford a place to live. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, I have been developing an, an economic structure that turns some, you know, we have a, a big problem with the big boxes in retail uh, that they're closing. So you have, yeah. you know, Coles and sports authorities. You know, what if we created an empowerment pod uh, living environment where single moms, uh, could have a very healthy, safe place to live, clean, with a big communal area. Mm-hmm. And we use some of these bigger spaces that we're not going to fill up because of Amazon uh, to help uh, sustain and grow uh, the empowerment of women so that we don't have uh, this homeless epidemic. And then the second issue is with veterans. Over 50% of our homeless we'll, are, are veterans. Yeah, we'll so. come back with that. We've got to take a little break right now. Though. We'll come back with David Melser, Sports Marketing One, right after this. Hang on. We're back in the home stretch with David Meltzer, Sports One Marketing. Let me get that corrected. And uh, I know Richard wanted to uh, well, ask come, David Meltzer some questions. Are you, Dave, you coming down to the All Star game? Oh, yeah. We have a full week down there. It's a busy week. We have the All Star game, the SB Awards, and then we're coming back down for uh, opening day at Del Mar. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be there as well. Mm. But um, uh, if you go to FanFest, make sure you stop by where Gene Locklear is painting 22 All Star players, four <laughs> stadiums, and all kinds of things. You guys should meet. Padres have had 22 All Stars, if you can believe it. Yeah. I just, believe it. I'm a huge fan, as you know. But stop by. How many this year, Richard? Up. Just one? Just Will Myers? Is he the only guy? I think probably just Will Myers, right? Yeah. Okay. yeah I didn't see who yeah. was selected, but yeah. A lot of a great year. A lot of Cubs will be here. <laughs> yeah, including, including their first baseman who used to play for us. Yes. But anyway. Rizzo. Hey, uh, Dave, did you see back from um, Africa? Yeah. What, were, what were you doing over there? You know, Warren Moon and I, my business partner, we... Uh, raise money to help adopt a village. And so we're building schools uh, in Africa, uh, out in the Masamara, and uh, it was a life-changing event. My my favorite thing, just as a quick story, is that we asked the village of the mamas and the babas, the, the dads and the moms and 500 children, what they would rather have, clean water or education. And invariably, almost unanimously, they said they wanted education. Mm-hmm. That's how thirsty and empowered they are in Kenya to change uh, the way that they're looking at things and change the entire world through education. Well, we're getting a digital world. The world's getting smaller every day with uh, the way we're all getting connected up with uh, communication and, and wiring, right? Now, you, you've got something about the home run derby that you wanted to discuss. Now, how does that work? Is, I guess the, the, uh, the the pitchers, who, who's throwing the ball of these batters? And, and tell us some of the controversy going on. 
Yeah, so, you know, there's always been kind of this uh, variable involved in the home run derby on who's throwing the pitches. And so we've even had fathers throwing to sons, uh, coaches, and, you know, obviously that variable determines on who's going to actually hit those home runs, what spot they're they're aligned in, uh, and how this, in in all reality, affects who's going to win the home run derby. And so, you know, kind of Uh looking at revisiting the format, you know, shorter pitchers, who who would have the best uh, options moving forward? We we want to revamp the home run derby so that maybe everyone faces the exact same pitcher uh, and at least uh, have a consistent variable to give everyone the same chance to win that derby. Mm, gotcha. Yeah, I guess it does make sense if a pitcher knows where the sweet spot is for a particular batter. You could you could rig the well, system. So, yeah, so, some guys are really good at throwing BP, and some guys aren't. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, no doubt. And, and you know, it, it could just be a variable that makes it fun as well. You know, I I did enjoy when I forget who the player was when he had his father throwing to him, and you know, obviously he'd been throwing to him for close to thirty years, so it was no problem knowing exactly where he likes to yank the ball out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now you were going to make some analogies to the Pro Bowl and the NFL and how what they might do, what lessons they can learn from the All Star Game, uh, right? Um, yeah, you know, it, it's a show. And I think, you know, ever since we had the tie game, you know, and you could see exactly what was going on with the All-Star game, although the winner of the All-Star game gets the, the coveted home field advantage in the World Series, uh, I, you know, my feeling with the Pro Bowl, which is uh, the icon for a waste of time, uh, where you have <laughs> and the NFL is not happy, you know, you, we have to be creative. You, you make a show out of it. And I think if you look at the Pro Bowl, if they took uh, lessons from the Home Run Derby and the, and the Futures game and the, and the NBA with the three-point contest and all these, with the, with the Pro Bowl, we could easily have to be a, a senior bowl for college with all the scouts, coaches, and everyone watching these great collegiate guys who would literally play to, to the death to make the NFL. So you would have an extremely you know, extremely competitive game, but then just have a show, an award you show, know, so so that the best players What do you think it. of this, David? I think you should make the pro, NFL Pro Bowl flag football because... <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they tried. They tried one of those, and unfortunately, people still got hurt. So really? Still, <laughs> Honest to God, they tried yeah. flag football and they got hurt. I don't even understand the last Pro Bowl when you had retired players picking teams. I'm like, that, yeah, that was yeah. just so ridiculous. Huh. And then you you know you have like the six string quarterback right. uh, that is now called a Pro Bowler because nobody else wants to play. Yeah, exactly. Well, what do you think of a longest field goal contest? Just just put the ball on a tee and just start moving it back and you know get up to seventy, seventy one. These guys could probably kick it off a tee seventy yards. I'll bet you, right? Oh, no problem. Yeah, that, those kind of things are exactly what the fans want, you know. And and if you you know figure out even you know the punt, pass, and kick. Yeah, uh, competition, and you got you know the best quarterbacks doing things like that, or the best players. You know, we could be really creative uh, with uh, mitigate any risk of, of injury as well. Mm-hmm. Well, Roger Goodell is going to have a heart attack when I say this, but I think they should have the most interesting and creative touchdown spike contest. <laughs> oh, yeah. See, I, I think that's no. a great idea, but yeah, Roger went like. No, that. I think a, I think a dance off in the end zone exactly. after you, after you score a touchdown. Exactly. Who does the best uh, victory dance? I think that'd be good. Maybe Gene can help him out on that. But, so. But, Dave, there's some exciting stuff going on at Sports One Marketing, right? Can you tell us about that? 
yeah, you know, we've been really blessed. I developed over the last few years what I call an aggregated marketing platform, and uh, we created a, a sub-S corp for that, and uh, we are able to aggregate all the static marketing tools used in sports, so everything from billboards to LEDs to the closed-circuit TV to radio TV, all the, the areas where we never really know, you know, did that logo mm-hmm. have any effect on, on the 40,000 people in the stadium or the millions of people watching uh, that may see a banner uh, while they're watching the game? Well, now with a call to action that's based off of giving, we're actually able to convert not only those eyeballs into understanding where those eyeballs are going, tracking them, driving sales to e-commerce sites and brick-and-mortar sites, but we're also able to actually uh, collect and reposit data from those people that are looking at an advertisement in a magazine or a billboard on the scoreboard. And through giving, we provide additional marketing opportunities by aggregating all the different things that I've learned over the last 35 years in sports marketing into what really counts, which is tracking sales, driving sales, and aggregating or repositing or collecting data of those people that we can then remarket to uh, to provide more value to. And so we had a public company uh, put out a letter of intent to purchase uh, the aggregated marketing platform company, as well as our processing for a cause company, uh, which utilizes the processing of small businesses uh, to provide money to charities. Mm. And so it's been really, really exciting over the last seven years, Warren and I building these two things up to actually uh, not only uh, get acquired, but also participate in the new company and grow it to a whole nother level. So let's say as a consumer, I want to buy some sports merchandise. Is this, uh, it's all being driven to the mobile app, the, the mobile phone now, or um, how's it working? Terrific. So a good example is we're doing on July 19th, uh, the Sports One Marketing Giveaway Night uh, at the Angel Stadium. So you come into the stadium, we're advertising on TV, radio, and print, and we have these great companies like Heritage Financial and Where Were You When and Mm -hmm. all these guys that are giving over $500 worth of gifts for coming into a stadium. You have a virtual gift bag that allows you to accept or decline any gift in that bag, and then we're also driving sales to different stores, different e-commerce sites, and then collecting the data so that those companies can remarket to you. Uh, and the best part about it is the last component of every one of our aggregated ma- marketing offers is a give back. So it says if you appreciate the over $500 of gifts that you've received, please play, pay it forward and donate to the Crescent Moon Foundation, which is Warren's foundation, providing scholarships to underprivileged kids. Mm. And then also using the, uh, the processing for a cause. Can you go into a little detail on that? Yeah. So what we found was in this uh, credit card processing business, it's a dirty business, and there's these middlemen that basically do nothing but secure fees. Mm -hmm. And so we went to First Data, the largest processing company, and said, instead of using ISOs, what if we went out and motivated different businesses, small to medium-sized businesses, to utilize processing for a cause, and the fees that they pay today to these middlemen would go to the charity or cause of their choice. So instead of paying just plain bank fees, those fees now go to your kid's soccer league, your high school, or St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. But it's been a great program for us, and we're, you know, 
you, and, we have hundreds of charities that and we're you getting can, money and for. And you now. can pick the cause uh, as you process, right? As, a, as Correct. A, wonderful, wonderful. Well, we're just about wrapped up here, David Meltzer, Sports One Marketing. We thank you so much for being our guest again, and uh, let's have a great All-Star game. We'll hope to see you down here. Gene Lockler, veteran player, all-around good guy and great artist, official artist of the All-Star official Game. Official artist of the, uh, All-Star, of the All-Star Game. Game. <laughs> Thanks for being our guest. Richard, great seeing you. Justin Hart on our board. Thanks for making it sound great. Thanks to Craig Blank, our con executive, and Dave Sniff, our program genius here at KFMB. All these podcasts are commercial-free on iWebMoney.com. Have a great week. See you next time. Bye-bye now.